We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Cash Consideration Podcast, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Patton. Jason, we got to talk about the biggest news of the week in Bulls land. The McDonald's Big Mac 100-point promotion is no more. So when will fans in the United Center ever cheer this year? I don't know, but we really got to pour one out for that. I think I tweeted this earlier, but like my favorite part of that is... The when the McDonald's team, the, like the promo team, or whatever, they literally had like the giant fucking Big Macs like running across. Like that was hilarious, and just like the the crowd would always go nuts. Like that, this is this is a momentous day. It's a damn travesty. I'm I'm living the replacement. We'll talk about the replacement in a second, but like the Big Macs were an institution. I guess like the Bulls don't score 100 points much, and they don't win that much anymore. So maybe they're trying to get something a little more, uh, maybe more attainable these days. But man. The Big Mac, Big Mac hundred point thing has been like just an institution with Bulls basketball, so it's very sad to see it go. No, disagree, dude. They score, they've scored a hundred points every game, but four or five. It's that's basically it's, all. It's the like, new players. era of the NBA. Like McDonald's, dude, yeah. they'd be bleeding Big Macs over here. Like <laughs> even though the Bulls would be losing by thirty, they'd still score a hundred points. The other team would just score, you know, hundred thirty five, and uh, McDonald's was probably thinking. In this era of the NBA, that's no way to celebrate. So now there's a new promotion. And actually, as someone who eats shitty food and goes to Bulls games, I'm actually more excited about this promotion, even though I don't know how it will impact the atmosphere in the stadium. So the new deal is with Portillo's. I do love Portillo's. Uh, love Portillo's. You get a- Another Chicago institution. It is great. but For sure. You get a free hot dog at Portillo's. If the opposition misses consecutive free throws in the fourth quarter. So whereas before like Bulls fans would start going ape shit when the Bulls were closing in on a hundred points. Now I feel like the Bulls, just to throw a bone to the fans during this awful season, they need to start like intentionally fouling poor free throw shooters in the fourth quarter, even if they're down by like 35 points, which is going to be happening. Uh just to throw the fans a bone. Maybe we can get a hot dog for sitting through this dog shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could I could see that. So yeah, ultimately, just like it just it's it just kind of came out of nowhere. I had no idea that it was coming. Was like I said the Big Mac thing has been around so long. So now, like I said, I I do love me some Portillos. I had it a couple weeks ago. Did not have a hot dog. It was a beef sandwich, which was delicious. But the hot dogs obviously they're are, are great as well. So hopefully, uh, there hopefully there will be be some more fourth quarter hijinks and shenanigans with the United Center crowd 
with this new promotion. Fourth quarter Franks, that's what they're calling it, it in Portillo's. There you go. So, I'm in on that. I'm actually going to the Heat game Friday, which is the first time uh, the Bulls are running this promotion. I'm actually also going to the game Wednesday against the Suns. So, you're going to get some up, uh, some upfront scouting reports from me as a fan. I will do my duty and drink, like, you know, four beers at least while at the game because Chicago Bulls basketball, you can't watch it sober. That might as well be the tagline for the Bulls this season. But it'll be fun to see the team up close. I've already, I've only been to one game this year. Uh, I saw, I was at the Nuggets game when Carter played great against Jokic. Have you been to any? I have not. Uh, I don't even think I have any like tickets to games, to any games yet this year. I was. Well, I, I know my dad was looking at tickets at one point to buy for us to go together. I mean, besides that, it's like I haven't really looked into even getting tickets. I, I'll I'll get to a game at least at some point. Uh, tickets are cheap as hell this year, yeah. which is the nice thing about the Bulls being garbage for a second year in a row. Like, last year, I was buying tickets, and they were still, like, like I went on Halloween last year when they played the Thunder, and those tickets were, like, 45 bucks each. Uh, and I had a little bit of a hookup at that point, too. This year, they're much cheaper. They, well, so the, the Suns tickets are $25. i am i am a little surprised by that. But I went to that Nuggets game for, like, 8 bucks. Gee, and that was Halloween, too, right? Yeah, that was Halloween. That's a great deal. And the Nuggets are a solid team. You saw a good game. Can't really beat that. Yeah, so if we're looking for silver linings in this horrible bowl season that somehow just gets worse and worse and worse with each passing day, at least you can go watch this dog shit live. So that's what we have <laughs> to look forward to as Bulls fans this year. And speaking about it getting worse and worse by the day, the actual real good news. Actually, I'm not going to say the actual. That's a, to dismiss the McDonald's Portillo's fun. There was real or news with the team today. Denzel Valentine, who had a mysterious ankle injury, uh, initially was called a moderate sprain back in training camp, like first week of camp, hurt his ankle. They said he'd be reevaluated in one to two weeks. We are now two, about two months later from that point, and now Denzel Valentine needs reconstructive surgery on his left ankle, out four to six months. Basically, that means he's done for the season. They say, uh, of course, expect a full recovery. You should be ready for training camp next year. But this is a completely lost season for Denzel Valentine after a pretty solid second year. Not great, not terrible, but he made he actually did make big strides. I like to dump on Valentine just because his uh, self-awareness, I feel like overconfidence is just kind of hilarious. But, like, useful NBA player off the bench. The Bulls are so thin on the wing. Like, he'd be a useful player to have. And now he is done for the season, didn't even get to start his season. It's just uh, another big bl- another big setback for the Bulls in terms of injuries this year. Yeah, it's tough for Denzel. Uh, for a player who's already so limited athletically, I feel like this is going to be just a real tough blow for you know him turning himself into a, a 10-year veteran in the NBA. Uh, what he can do is hit threes, especially off the dribble, which is a super valuable trait in today's NBA. I believe he was one of the better off-the-dribble three-point shooters in the league last year. Yeah, his student... I would say overall, he shot almost 39%. Yeah. Pretty good volume, so definitely valuable in that regard. Uh, but I think the moment that Denzel Valentine really got his ankles broken was at the Drew League oh, this yeah. summer. It's been a tough look for Denzel Valentine the last, the last couple months. He gets his ankle broken in Drew League, then his actual ankle gets literally broken. And now he's now he's up for a while. And this is going to be his third surgery in as many NBA seasons. Again, like he came into the league, he was red flagged for his bad, for bad knees. 
coming into the draft, and then he had ankle surgery, left the same ankle after at the end of his rookie season, then he had knee surgery at, towards the end of last season, and now this surgery, it's just like, like you said, he's already so limited athletically, he can't really jump, he doesn't ever shoot free throws, can't really do anything around the rim, and now after this surgery, like, who knows how he comes back, if he loses another step, like, his shooting and, like, playmaking, ball handling should keep him around for maybe to play some kind of role, but, like, I, I just, yeah, I just don't know what his future looks like now with going forward after another after just another surgery him getting owned in the drew league is truly one of the most humiliating things that's ever happened to an nba player that was by franklin sessions frankie sessions who what was like, sort of like a drew league legend at this point uh he just dropped a ton of points on him but that dude it literally was, was working at a cell phone shop a couple of years ago was it he was like talking ch- shit too <laughs> he was talking shit the entire time yeah he's childhood friends with demar DeRozan. DeRozan was sitting courtside for that game Sessions was just owning Valentine possession after possession and then just woofing shit in his face the whole time, being like, this guy's in the league? This guy? I mean, just retire. Also part point. of the Express, Express, uh, yeah, I, th- I can't remember what Denzel does for Express, but he's got commercials for Express, so, yeah. Uh, Den- Denzel did have one highlight uh, this year, though, and that happened... Uh, over the weekend when Robin Lopez, I believe that was on Robin Lopez's three, he did a celebration where he seemed to like uncork a bottle of alcohol and take a shot. And uh, <laughs> Gustavo Vega, the indispensable Bulls. Uh, oh, yeah. Highlight man. Right? Highlight man. The dude who takes video of the TV. I love Gustavo. He's my guy. Uh, he caught Denzel Valentine doing a complimentary celebration as Lopez was drinking. Valentine was on the bench pretending to hit a joint so denzel valentine i would like to party with you i think that you know maybe that will help ease your pain as you recover from the season ending surgery and denzel valentine's still probably living a decent life even though he won oh, yeah. the bowls this year for sure oh well uh in Great. those but that celebration lopez's celebration with valentine uh, I'm going to say that was the only good thing that happened to the Bulls over this last three-game stretch when the Bulls were defeated uh, in three games by a total of 87 points. They lost by Ooh. 29 points on Wednesday to the Boston Celtics. On Friday against the Bucks, they blew an 18-point first-half lead. Uh, oh, I, believe they they were up, I believe they were up 20-something at one point in that yeah, game. And it was 18 and a half. 18 and, and a half. They lost by 19. And then Saturday against the Raptors, they lose by 39. So they go losing by 29, 19, and 39. 87-point defeat over three games. I mean, holy hell, Bulls. How is that even possible? Yeah, I mean, they're so banged up. And they had been – we had talked about it on our last podcast. So, like, we thought Hoiberg was doing a decent job, like, with the undermanned team. They're staying mostly competitive in games. And then – but then we did kind of – with this schedule coming up, Celtics, Bucks, Raptors, basically cream the crop in the East that it could get ugly, and it was as ugly, basically, as it gets besides, like, maybe three quarters of basketball because in that first, the Celtics, the Celtics game where they got their ass beat by 30, they actually led by five points at the end of the first quarter. It was really ugly. The Celtics, who have been kind of in disarray this entire season, yeah. looked terrible. Like, Gordon Hayward couldn't make anything. He's been pretty bad so far in his comeback. They, they were bricking a bunch of threes. Jason Tatum couldn't dribble. So it was, the Bulls were kind of mucking it up. Like I said, we talked about that before. Just the, the only way they can really stay close is if they muck it up and just slow it down. And then the Celtics outscored them by like 20 in the second quarter. They hit a bunch of threes. Tatum hit some threes. Then Kyrie kind of went off. They just 
Archdiacono had no chance to guard Kyrie. So, and then the second half was basically a joke. I feel like that fourth quarter was just like a clown show of Antonio Blakeney doing dumb shit in the fourth quarter. So that was that was a tough look. I mean, I, I don't even really don't think there was much to take away from a game like that. Uh, just just completely out outgunned and out man. The out of all three of these games, the Bucks one, which we mentioned, they blew a huge league, was the most interesting. I was not watching that live. I watched that one. That was the only one of these three games I actually watched. I, I, I watched it after after the fact, but I was kind of following along. I was doing something else, but I was following on Twitter. And I saw like, holy shit. And I had a friend at the game uh, up in Milwaukee, the new stadium, and just telling me about some of the stuff that's happening. I saw like Justin Holiday, six of six from three, pulls up 20 points in the first half. He's like, okay, yeah, good for them, I guess. And then I checked back my phone like an hour later, and I saw that they had already blown the lead. And then checked back again, and I saw they lost by like twenty. It was just that was like a forty-point turnaround within the span of basically a half, which is just incredibly, incredibly impressive to do. So I went back and rewatched the game, and like the first half was great. Like Holiday was raining from three; they were moving the ball. Jabari had an awesome first quarter, which was the second straight game Jabari went off in the first. He went off the first quarter in Boston, then went off again in the uh, first quarter in Milwaukee. And then just the third quarter, they come out with just like, it was just like the first four or five possessions. You could just tell it was about to go to shit. Like, e- like each member of the starting lineup basically jacked up like a terrible jumper. I don't think Wendell did, but like Holiday, Levine, Parker, like they all, Archie Diakon, all just took awful jumpers, didn't even come close. The Bucks start raining from three and they rained hellfire on them and they ended up whatever, losing by 20 and a huge turnaround. I'd, I, what, I, what did what were you thinking watching that game? Just like the domination from one half to the next, just going straight to shit. Well, it was so funny because the Bulls were playing like really brilliantly in the first half. Just I felt like, you know, the pace was ideally where Hoiberg has wanted it to be all year. They dropped 40 in the first quarter. They take an 18-point lead into halftime. And basically everything was going their way. I mean, Holiday was doing the Michael Jordan shrug. Jabari played his best half as a Bulls player. Uh, so far this year, that was not a good game for Levine, but it didn't seem like it would really matter because they had some other supplemental scores cooking. And then, uh, you know, the game goes in when the game goes into half. I see a poll from Cody Westerland yes. who put up Bulls are currently up 18 going into the break. Will they win this game? And I'm like, come on, Cody, dude, 18 points. Have a little faith in the Bulls. I voted yes. On so that did play, I. <laughs> which is the most shameful shit. In the well, entire like, world. I'm pretty How sure, dare like, I vote yes in that poll? They were like, I'm pretty sure that was like 70, 75% said no. And I yes. even admitted, I, I voted yes and I admitted afterwards that I was one of the dumbasses who voted yes. Because I thought, you know, like, they're playing, playing pretty, seeing that they're playing pretty well. Like, 18 is a huge lead. Like, I figured it would get a little tight, but maybe they'd be able to hold on. And it ended up just being a blowout the other way. Like, it was, look at us assholes trying to have faith in this team for once. <laughs> Yeah, I deeply regret voting yes in that, and I'm truly ashamed of myself because how dare I have faith in the Bulls, especially against a great team with a great coach like the Milwaukee Bucks, basically everything the Bulls aren't. That third quarter, the Bulls gave up 46 46, points. 46 to 17. Uh, I believe, so yeah, Jeff Mangerton, essential Bulls follow Jeff Gerton on Twitter, he said the Bucks' 46-point third quarter is the most they've ever scored in a quarter against the Bulls. I'm surprised that that's not the most the franchise has ever given up in a quarter. I mean, 46 is a decent half the majority I mean, of the time. What did they give up in the Warriors 
half. I mean, 90. that was 92 and a half and a half. 90, so one of the, yeah. I think both of those quarters were obviously both. Let me, let me go back and see. Okay, so the Warriors scored 48 in that second quarter in that game to get to 92 points for that half. So, I mean, the Bulls just setting all kinds of records here with their defense, giving up 40, 48 point quarters, 46 point quarters. Just really, really yeah. great stuff. Well, spin zone, uh, not the Bulls' worst quarter of the season. So good job, Bulls, not hitting rock bottom. They did not allow 48. They did not allow 49. It was merely 46 in what was otherwise just an absolutely disgusting loss to the Bucks. Actually, I, I will say I wasn't that disgusted with that game. I mostly thought it was funny. And oh, that's absolutely, absolutely hilarious. Like, yeah. I'm like, this, this point- is just good shit. Yeah, at this point, it's just like, like I said, we, we, we have talked about this multiple times with the way their injuries are going this year and whatever, the way the team is right now, like, losses are totally fine. Where they basically took the mantra of not trying for Zion to, like, the, the basically the full limit there in that second half. They realized they were playing too good, and it just and then they just uh, the flipped the switch the other way. Not try, hashtag not trying for Zion and get absolutely walloped in the second half. Even right now, looking at the Tankathon standings, <clears throat> they're fifth. Oh, that the East, the bottom of the East, man, is absolutely brutal. The Cavs got dominated again today. The Knicks are a fucking joke. The uh, the Suns are worse, and they're playing full Suns Wednesday. It's big yeah. tank game, and then uh, the Hawks have lost like seven or eight. Or the Hawks were playing; they played pretty well against the Clippers today. I think they were up at half by a decent amount. They were they were up eight go- or seven or eight going in the fourth quarter, and then they got outscored by fifteen in the fourth quarter. So the Hawks are three and fourteen, like. As bad as the Bulls are, like I just the the Cavs and Hawks, I think are clearly worse. The Knicks are probably worse too, especially when the if the Bulls do get healthy once Lowry comes back. Who knows about Dunn and Portis? But I, I mean, just even if the Bulls stay bad, they're not as bad as these bottom teams. So if they can, they just need to get. They're probably just going to need the lottery luck. And like we as we've talked about before, the lottery odds do even out a bit this year, so that's a little better. But it's gonna be it's gonna be quite the battle for the bottom because the especially the bottom of the Eastern Conference is really really bad. Yeah, so hopefully these lottery odds work in the Bulls' favor because uh, I really think, dude, like everything about the Bulls' rebuild changes if they get Zion. Now I'm super high on Zion. I think that he's clearly superior to R.J. Barrett. Uh, in so you know I, I might be higher on him than a lot of people are. Uh, a lot of scouts are, but. I really think that he can be like that lead initiator type guy. Not that he's like similar to Doncic in terms of how he plays the game or even his overall impact, but it's like what made Doncic so good was that he was a 6'8", 30-pound guy who could basically be your de facto point guard. I think that Zion can be your de facto point guard eventually too. He's going to need to tighten his handle. He's going to need to prove his passing chops. Even Luka's only averaging like four assists a game this year. Uh, He's got a lot of turnovers. He's not playing totally on the ball. Uh, but you know, I think Zion can be that type of player. And if the Bulls get that type of guy, man, everything else just falls into place. Then, you know, Levine as a secondary scorer, I think that that's his natural role. He wouldn't, uh, be forced to have the ball in his hands so often. He would have someone else to distract the defense from him a little bit. Then you've got marketing, creating space in the front court for a non-shooter like Zion. Then you got Wendell Carter tying everything together on both ends of the floor, giving you solid two-way play. So, Man, that would just be immediately like that would change everything for the Bulls. Yeah, if the Bulls walk away from this draft with the seventh or eighth pick and they get Keldon Johnson or Quentin Grimes or one of these other guys or Romeo Langford, like maybe those guys will be good. I don't know. It's still too early to say. 
But I feel very confident Zion's just going to be like a that guy type of star. Uh, and that would just change everything about the rebuild overnight, I think. Yeah, I was watching uh, Duke-San Diego State earlier. Yeah, I watched uh, that I, I mean, just like another absolute annihilation. And just like all these guys, like between Zion, who had like a sick fast break, windmill dunk, just absolutely. That was his worst game. Zion was not very good that game. He got into early foul trouble. Coach K pulled him early in the first half. Uh, R.J. Barrett was phenomenal for Duke in the first half. Cam Reddish was great in the second half. And both those guys are terrific. And, you know, finishes and the drives and finishes and traffic, which is like basically every time down, they're pushing the ball, driving the basket and throwing up some ridiculous layup around like three guys getting fouled. Like they're just just so much better. It's like physically just imposing and dominating all these teams they're playing with these guys yeah barrett is an elite slasher like barrett will remind you a lot of shea gilgis alexander in terms of his driving and his finishing craft he has these super long strides and he just has sort of like a crafty way of finishing around the basket uh his shooting is i think better than what we expected it to be i didn't see what his final line was from three-point range tonight but he did hit three of his first six uh, and, you know, his passing, I never thought that that was a strong part of his game from what I saw on the AAU trail, but I only saw him in a handful of games there. Uh, and I saw Mike Schmitz from ESPN tweet that he thinks Barrett's a better passer than he's shown so far at Duke. So I think Barrett is is solid. Like, if you get the second pick, R.J. Barrett's a safe pick to be a good player. I think he fits into NBA archetypes. Uh, a lot more conventionally than a player like Zion does. So, you know, who knows? He might even go number one. We can't forget that three teams passed on Luka last year, despite the fact that every smart person and p- pretty much <laughs> unanimously agreed he was the best player in the draft. Uh, I just think Zion's special. You know, he, he just does things that... I, it's not even he does things that you can't teach because just his physicality alone will will say that, but, like... What is really impressive to me is just his focus, his approach to the game. He's a really serious player, uh, and he's also someone who I think teammates will sort of galvanize towards because he seems like a charismatic dude, a good guy, selfless teammate. Uh, and to me, the real debate will be Barrett versus Reddish. I'm really high on Reddish. I had Reddish number one in my initial mock draft, which was in June of this year, the day after the 2018 draft. Uh, I posted the 2019 mock draft. And I had Reddish number one there, just based on what I saw with my own eyes, watching USA Basketball, watching the AAU circuit. He has been marginalized a bit uh, at Duke so far. And he had you know, some nasty threes today. He had one amazing... Uh, up and under layup that might be the play you're referring to where he got fouled and still finished the thing with reddish he is six eight six nine super long arms could be an impact player defensively no doubt uh he just doesn't really know how to like slash yet he's much more someone who prefers to have the ball in his hands and pull up on the mid-range jump shot or pull up from three whereas barrett is so good as a slasher and inside finisher and barrett's constantly getting to the foul line uh, Reddish doesn't have that sort of driving ability yet. He's very much a straight line driver. He doesn't have a lot of uh, shift, a lot of craft on his drive. So, uh, you know, just something to watch. Now, Reddish is 19 years old. Barrett's 18 years old. Zion's 18 years old. So these guys got a long way to go. Uh, and Nazir Little, who's sort of the fourth guy in the draft, he had a big game tonight for North Carolina against St. Francis of Pennsylvania. Weak competition, but good to see him uh, putting up numbers too. So, you know, I would love if the Bulls could get one of those four guys, but I think that Zion is just head and shoulders the it, best. We'll I mean, see you, me- right. 
Yeah, you mentioned that Zion had like his worst game. He played, and he only played 18 minutes. He had some foul trouble, and the game was a blowout. But even in those 18 minutes, 13 points, six rebounds, three offensive, five steals, a block, and an assist. So like in a short amount of time in the court, still huge impact. Uh, Barrett had 20 tonight. Not the most efficient shooting, but he was three of six, like you mentioned, from three. Reddish had 16. So just, yeah, I mean, these guys are obviously just total studs. And like I said, I will default to you on who the Bulls should take. It's, I mean, Zion just seems like such a, just an absolute freak that, that will kind of blend into almost anything you want to do that just such a unique player. So I can't really, I, I've, I wouldn't complain about any of them at this point. Like, just give me an elite, give me one of these Duke elite studs, fit him in the Bulls at whatever small forward wherever they need them and and then go from there but I guess I guess we'll see uh people who listen to this podcast tweet at me or tweet at Jason too if you like listening to the Duke talk because I feel like I'm just gonna be talking draft all year since it's my job to watch college basketball I get health insurance for it I have to do it uh so <laughs> I mean, it's if you guys hate this if you don't like the draft talk if it's me repeating the same shit about the Duke guys Every week is annoying. Just tell me to shut up on Twitter and we won't it's, talk about it anymore. But if you like it, I'm happy to talk about it because I love the draft. It's just tough not to talk about it when you're losing by 30 points. You have a week where you go 0 and 3 and you lose by like 30 points every minute. And we haven't even talked about the last game, which I don't think we're going to spend much time on it because I didn't watch it. I don't I know if you watched it. it. They, they played the Raptors after the Bucks. And this was without Kawhi Leonard and the Bulls did not have Zach Levine. So, like, already missing all these guys, plus Zach because he was sick. You just knew that they they started campaign in place of Levine, like, and I had better stuff I, I had to do. Hung out with the wife, did some, did some, uh, just whatever stuff like that. Didn't want to. I recorded the Bulls game, didn't end up watching. They were basically outgunned from the start. I mean, I don't even really know what else to say about it. They got absolutely demolished. I, let me pull up the box score and see if there was even. I got anything. it right here. They lost one twenty-two to eighty-three. I didn't watch this game at all. I was at a friend's giving. I made my signature green bean casserole that I brought to Friendsgiving, which I go. hilarious that people ask me to make that because I do not cook, even at the tender age of 31. I, so I also brought Taco Bell. A nice. Pack, just to like stay a little more on brand. Yeah. Uh, I was going to consider going home to watch the Bears game, but then it just turned into, or to watch the uh, Bulls-Raptors game, but then it turned into a karaoke party where I debuted my cover of The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance, which I oh, think yeah. would be my new... Karaoke jam, uh, none of that really matters, but it was all more fun than watching the Bulls lose by literally 39 points to a Raptors team that didn't play Kawhi Leonard. Granted, the Bulls didn't have Zach Levine in that game either. I think uh, Levine just looked so gassed in that Milwaukee game. He was, that yeah, he was for- sick. It sounded like he should not have played in that Bucks game, yeah. so there was no point to play him in this in this Raptors game. And I guess the only no, really – there was looking at through the box score – Absolutely nothing notable. Basically, nobody. Oh, I got had. something. I got something. I mean, campaign yeah. started. After yeah. basically getting DMP'd against the Bucks. they started the campaign. Ryan Archie, Diakono, backcourt. Just remember, Bulls fans, if this ever works out for us, if the Bulls do hit the lottery and get Zion Williamson next year, even if it takes, you know, two, three, four, 15 more years, when it does get good, in, if you're listening to this podcast and if you're watching these games, just remember, you fucking earned it. Because you sat through a game started by Campaign and Ryan Archidiakono. That's got to be one of like the worst. Like as we've given Archidiakono some lo- some love here, and Campaign had one good game. Like that's got to be one of the worst starting backcourts like in NBA. That's that's just 
That's really bad. I, I need a Photoshop of someone to take Archie Diacono's name off the back of his jersey and just write shitty Heinrich. <laughs> if you can do that for me, I would retweet that. I would praise you. Just just give me that for Ryan Archie Diacono. I actually do like his game. I, and as someone who follows college basketball, I mean, he was basically a fucking legend. of yeah. He made the pass to Chris Jenkins to win their first national title. Four-year starter was just like the consummate floor general at the college level. Uh, doesn't have really NBA athletic ability, but I think he's he's been okay for the Bulls, and they can do worse in that spot. They probably do better too. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a fine, he's a fine end of bench guard. If you need some energy, he shoots pretty well. He like, fuck totally up fine. is the thing. Like he does, he makes smart plays. He plays yeah. hard. He's just not that talented. But he is he's hitting his threes this year. He's hitting over forty percent of his threes, which is yeah, he's a good shooter. Like I said, as a you can do worse at the end of your bench as a third point guard or even as your backup. Like I feel like he could. As if he's your backup point guard, it's probably fine. You maybe want something a little better, but like smart player, hit threes, play defense. Like you could do worse as a backup point guard. So when you're starting him in campaign together, that's about as bad as it gets. But uh, the Bulls' point guard situation without Kristone is a disaster. Uh, they have been playing Shaq Harrison more lately. I guess one no- another notable thing is he had five steals in this game. This was after he had four steals, I think, against Boston, two against the Mavs. Three. He's been racking up a lot of steals. He. He tries hard. He he pressures the. He likes to put a lot of ball pressure on the opposing point guard. So I, I guess that's good for Shaq. I like his game. I like his defensive intensity. The Bulls really need that in the backcourt with yeah. Chris Dunn gone. In uh, you know, it's like it's not like they're going to accomplish anything with Shaq Harrison really. But I bet Hoiberg likes him just because he does set the tone a little bit defensively. He's picking guys up like you know ninety four yeah. feet essentially a lot of times. Uh, so I don't mind watching him, even though, you know, he's not going to be a long-term piece for this team. It's like, you know, the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, the great Sixers, Sixers. podcast by Michael Levin, yep. uh, what they do there is they have like the list of the process guys. And it's just like all of these horrible basketball players, one after another, after another, after another. And I feel like us as Bulls fans, like we need to copy that. It's like the list of bad bears quarterbacks that. Oh, yeah. While the Packers just started Farvin Rogers, it's just like this heinous list of Henry Burris and uh, Craig Craig Crenzel and Chad Hutchison and Shane Matthews. And remember Jonathan Quinn? Oh, boy. Oh, absolutely. Was he trash? Remember this, Chicagoans, when you're ripping Mitchell Trubisky in his second year as one of the least experienced quarterbacks in the NFL, it could be Jonathan Quinn. It could be so much worse. He deserves to get graded on the curve that is being a Bears quarterback. Uh, so this is like what we're going towards now. This is the death spiral we're quickly hurtling towards as just these like totally forgettable non-NBA players fill this season for the I mean, Bulls. Just look, just look at the last couple of years, even before they started rebuilding of the point guards we've cycled in. Like we, this year we've got Payne, Archidiacono, Shaq Harrison, and then we've had like Michael Carter-Williams, Isaiah Cannon, Jaron Grant. Like they've been, since basically D-Rose, they've been cycling through just bum ass point guards and so that and that's like becoming like the the like the bulls point guards is basically turning into bears qbs and just a bunch of bums (laughs) just give us zion and let him play point guard i don't even care and then just get a three and d point guard in that spot like like a prime george hill type or like a patrick beverly type someone who doesn't need the ball who can just spot up who can defend multiple positions the tough guy who levine can't guard you can get that guy in the free agent market for not too much money. That player doesn't need to be a superstar. 
Uh, and if that is your five man lineup, I'm already putting Zion in a Bulls jersey. It's like it's been ten years since the NBA the for the Bulls. It's been ten years, Jason. They deserve to have it rigged in their favor. Rig it. Rig it. Rig it. The NBA is like three moves away from big markets totally dominating, which I think Adam Silver's wet dream. We could have the Bulls. I mean, rig the lottery for the Bulls so they get Zion. That's a no-brainer. Then Durant goes to the Knicks. Yes. Suddenly they're interesting because they're going to have a high draft pick too. We'll give them R.J. Barrett. We'll give them Cam Reddish. Who cares? I think it would be fun to watch the Bulls beat the shit out of the Knicks again if they were both, you know, good teams like they were in the 90s. And then we get Kawhi going to the Clippers. Now, if that actually happens, Kawhi's insane because the Raptors are set up so well for right now and for the future. I think Nick Nurse is an elite coach, to be totally honest. He looks awesome. Everything I read about him or every time I read Yeah, they do some really unique stuff. Like, it doesn't stick to, like, set lineup rotations. He basically kind of does it by ear. They move the ball a lot. Like, he basically was basically— Is he the Joe Madden of NBA coaches? But he's actually smart, unlike Joe Madden. He doesn't just suck as a person like Joe Madden, too. Because I feel like Nurse was the one who kind of ushered in, like, the change last year, right? With their – because they kind of flipped their – obviously, they fell apart in the playoffs again. But, like, with the whole ball movement offense, started taking more threes. I feel like that was kind of spurred on by Nurse. I might be remembering that incorrectly. But, like, yeah. And right now, they've obviously gotten off to a great start, 13-4. and And that's with Kawhi missing a decent chunk of games. Like – they just have so many guys that fit in their roles really well. Pascal Siakam has turned into a complete stud. D1 Player of the Week, I think, a couple weeks ago. Like, He's amazing. Lowry's obviously been good a while. Like Ibaka's having a rebirth. Their depth is is really nice with Van Vliet, with DeLon Wright as guards off the bench. Jonas, They're all so good. Yeah, like they just have a bunch of really solid players. They and all the, play both ways is yeah, the thing. Like, right, that exactly. is the lesson to take away from Andy this. Green. All these guys are two-way guys. Yeah. And they can all yeah. shoot. It's like That's they traded the- two non-shooters for fucking Kawhi Leonard and got Danny Green in that trade. Highway robbery. And they didn't yeah. even give up. I mean, Pirtle's okay, but centers are a dime a dozen in this era. Just like yeah. easy and to get a they have they have three good big guys with Ibaka, Jonas, and Siakam. Like, they're totally – and they signed Greg – I mean, if they, they have a backup center, Greg Monroe. It's like – if they want to play, he doesn't even play that much. Yeah, he like doesn't even play that much because he's kind of he's not even that old, but his like type is obviously just kind of going out, out of style. But like if they need a big bruiser off the bench, they have him. So they have a really good front court rotation, anyways. So they just bring in one of the best elite wings in the game in Kawhi Leonard, and then a three and D guy in Danny Green. Like that's it just like works perfectly for them, and they're set they are set up really nicely. Uh, one thing I heard Nurse play, because I watched that Raptors-Celtics game, which was before Bulls-Bucks on Friday. Was- Kyrie just insane in that game. He is so oh, much fun to watch when he gets cooking. Uh, and Kyrie obviously has Morris as a player, so I think like nerds like me and you, we might like focus on those, as opposed to just the dazzling shit. Uh, Kyrie's awesome to watch. He's- Dude, he's so awesome. Uh, but anyways, I brought that up because during Nurse's sideline interview... When they asked him, you know, what his take on the game was, he was like, well, we haven't been creating enough open three-pointers, and that's why we're not playing up to our potential right now. It's like, yes, dude, that is the NBA game. How many open three-pointers can you create? Uh, That's what the league's all about right now. And for him to just say that bluntly on TV, I thought that that was really impressive. Yep, against the Bulls, they went 14 of 35 from three. So there you go. They shot 54% overall, get up 35 threes, and hit 14 of them. That's it's damn good. Uh, I guess the last note from this Raptors game, which is just kind of funny, is after they got the Bulls got outscored 46-17 in the third quarter of the Bucks game, 
32 to 12 in this third quarter. So that's two straight third quarters where they got outscored 78 to 29, which is just like impressively shitty. So, and there was, oh, there was, I think it was the Raptors game. There was a, there was a gif or just a, what a, a quick video of Fred. Uh, I can't remember what part of the game it was, but he's, he's just like mumbling to himself on the sideline and then just a face palm in like face right into the hand. It was honestly like, I felt very bad for Fred at the moment, but it was also absolutely fucking hilarious. And I just like laughed out loud at it because it was just such a sad, sad moment to see Fred just like in a, just a terrible, obviously in a terrible place. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what, Hoiberg, that is every Bulls fan, so yeah, exactly. you feel your pain. Here's your the thing, pain. though, Fred, you're not going to be around next year, and we're going to be around every year until we die. <laughs> we were born with this brain disease that is being a Chicago Bulls fan. Uh, so, Hoiberg, you got the easy way out, man. You can probably, I don't know if you can go back to Iowa State. Steve Brown's doing a pretty damn good job there. He can land somewhere, though, uh, and Fred Hoiberg will be okay. But you know, me and you, man, will we be okay? Not if we're getting, like, ninth pick of this draft. We're not going to be okay. I'll say that much. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, the last thing I think we want to talk about today was the uh, ESPN. They, it's always a fun day when they bust out their RPM, their real plus-minus statistic. There's some problems with it, but it was absolutely hilarious. Because I, right when I saw that it came out, I wanted to go see – where all the Bulls guys, I don't want to say ranked because like a lot of people say, well, RPM's not a ranking. It's, I mean, it's just like a stat. And I mean, you want to call it a ranking because they're all points per game ranking. Yeah, like whatever you want to, whatever the hell you want to call it. So naturally, I went through to find where all the Bulls were, and the, the Bulls, obviously, as bad as they are, do not do not fare very well here. But hilariously, 430 players listed. Number 430. Who was it? Jabari! Our friend Jabari Parker, which uh, obviously we've, we've spent a lot ranting about Jabari. I, I, I went on a tweet storm this weekend after the Bucks game just ranting about Jabari, uh, just how, how brutal he's been. Oh, at Bloggable, uh, our friend Mark from Australia wrote something about how the Jabari experiment has just been a total failure so far. And, and, and I, we, I mentioned before how in uh, the Celtics game and the Bucks game, like he had like 14, 15 points respectively in like the first quarters. He was like six of nine from the field, really aggressive. And then after that, he scored like he made like three field goals total in the rest of the games. Like, how does that even happen? How do you come out, play so well to start games, and then just completely tank? And just this whole season had just been a mess of him. Not the the effort, the poor, just the inconsistency. It's just been a damn disaster with Jabari Parker. And so it was. Just kind of funny to see him coming dead last in these R- in these RPM <laughs> rankings. Uh, here's how you know RPM's a good stat because it re- puts Jabari Parker dead last. <laughs> Even like, though, like you know, Jabari's still averaging what like 14 points a game. Yeah. Shooting percentages aren't like that abysmal. I think he's, yeah, he's 44, 45 percent from the field. He's down to like 30 percent from three at this point. Uh, but his he just fucking takes so much off the table when he's on the court, and he really doesn't bring that much. I truly believe he is one of the worst players in the NBA, despite his obvious talent. I'm sorry, Jabari. I'm sorry, Jabari fans. I am a Jabari fan. I want Jabari to be good, but Jabari blows. He's just not a good NBA player. I hate to say it. He should go to China, and they'll build statues of Jabari Parker. Like, just, yeah, it's like he clearly is obviously talented. Like, you see he can get buckets sometimes but then just like the effort is just so damn poor all the time and like 
We've I've already got we've already had some fans talking about like should they just like cut him or they like shut him. I I was on Lockdown Bulls today. Our competitor. I should have been talking shit about Lockdown Bulls when I was <laughs> on there, but no, those guys rule. We me and you could only hope to do half as good of a job. Yeah, Lockdown Bulls guys do. They're tremendous. Uh, so it was fun to join Matt and Jordan on that show today. And I said that they should just cut Jabari Parker, uh, which I believe was a Kevin Farragut take like weeks ago. So as always, Kevin's the smartest guy on Bulls Twitter. Him, him and Steph are the two smartest guys. So uh, listen to them when they speak because they're always correct. And I totally agree with that. Just get Jabari Parker off the team. Pay him to go away. I don't care. Maybe he can spend the year, you know, doing something better with his time than taking the Bulls season so I mean I guess at this point maybe it's for the better that Jabari's here if you want to take for, for Zion like, he's literally not trying for Zion like half the time yeah. so like he's maybe... really leaning into not trying for Zion <laughs> yeah so like I, I mean I, I feel like there's absolutely no way they actually would do that they're not like they gave him a ton of money hometown guy like I feel like that would probably I mean I don't even know if I would say that's a bad look considering they did pay him like no one else was paying him I'd I, we, I think we've said this before, and I tweeted this over the weekend. Like, if the Bulls did not give Jabari that contract, like, what contract is he getting? Like, the yeah. qualifying offer from the Bucks. Like, I don't know if like the Kings might have gone. At, maybe the Kings paid him would pay him a lot of money, which is usually a bad sign, even though the Kings are playing better, but they're still doing stupid King shit. But like, I just I don't think anybody gives him more than maybe ten million, twelve million. It's like the Bulls did him a favor. Maybe did Bartle, Mark Bartlesey a favor by signing him. So it's like. Even if they cut him, he's still getting his money. So I don't know. I but again, I don't think they'll actually do it. Even if it arguably might be a decent move, but I don't know. I don't see it. Yeah, uh, I don't see it because it would just really reflect poorly on management. Right. Yeah. I mean, just admitting a huge. I, the percent. only question I want to answer this year is who the fuck signed Jabari Parker in that front office? Was it Michael Reinsdorf? That's my guess. Was it John Paxson? Was it Gar Foreman? Was Jerry Reinsdorf like whose dumbass idea was that Jabari Parker twenty million dollars to play small forward? All I'm gonna say is thank God it's a team option and not a player option on the yeah. second thing of that deal because I don't know how I would do season two of the Cash Consideration yeah. Bulls podcast if I had to sit through the Jabari experience once again. Yeah, at this point there's almost zero chance he's back. I mean, he would have to really turn it around, and there's just I mean, it's no, it's, it's basically it's over. Been what he's, Cut him right now. It's been what he it's. Been what he was in the Bucks too. Like he had one, like maybe one season with the Bucks where he was putting up like twenty a game before his second ACL tear. But besides that, like his on-off numbers have always been bad. His efficiency's never been that great, and just like the defensive problems have always been there. Just like there's, and after a second ACL tear, there's just not much reason to think he's ever going to turn around. Because I just feel like at this point, like. His, I don't know, just don't know if like the love of the game is like I hate like exactly like, totally I agree. Hate, no, he's like, speculating correct. about that kind of stuff, but like he obviously we've talked about like all the stuff he does off the court. I read some more. Casey Johnson wrote an article today about his love of like vintage cars. Like I just feel like he, he just like likes doing a lot of other stuff and cares more about other stuff off the court, which is like which is totally fine, which is great. Just like just, I don't want to watch you on the court anymore if you just don't really care that much and we're paying you all that money. Just manage your money well, dude. Like, don't go broke because you're making a lot of money playing basketball in the NBA. It's not going to be a long career for you. Maybe you can go overseas and they'll build statues of you in China. <laughs> that would be great. I would actually love that to happen. If Jabari became the like spiritual Stephon ancestor Marbury. of Stefan Marbury yeah. or Jimmer for dead. Do you see Jimmer? Dude, Jimmer puts up like, like 70 points a game. And loses. He put up like 60 in <laughs> a loss the other night. It was beautiful. I, I really want to watch the highlights of that. 
just take care of your money. Yeah. Sorry. Come on. Just please do that at least because you're not going to be in the NBA for very long at this rate. The Bulls should cut him right now. It's sad to say because I really do like Jabari. I root for Jabari. I think he's a good guy, but he's just not for this era of basketball, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I guess to finish this up, looking at a couple of the other RPN numbers, we have Antonio Blakeney at four, number 422. The, the bottom of this is all a bunch of like just young guys, rookies, like Marvin Bagley is at 429, right above Jabari. Like Josh Jackson with the Suns has been absolutely terrible. That. Yeah. Uh, Sexton, Chetty Osman, Hazonia, Kevin Knox, like bunch of young bad young players for the most part and then we have Blakeney Blakeney can get buckets but he's been slowing down a bit like the last game he was like six and 19 I mentioned the Boston game he was just kind of acting a fool in the fourth quarter I think he had benched like in the fourth quarter of the Celtics game because he was making an ass of himself um I, I know like there were oh, I'm trying to look at some of these other guys here like Levine did not rate out very well because obviously his defense just is I feel like he has improved defensively this year but it's still just not totally there. And I feel like with RPM. Where's like, he at? Since this is a ranking, RPM is a ranking. Don't forget that. What is Levine's rank in Levine's RPM? He's at 367. Levine is at 367 overall. He is in the he is in the positive for offense, but his defense, I believe, is close to the worst. Let me pull. I hate the interface that they have for RPM rankings. They make you click through like a million freaking pages. But I'm pretty sure he is close to the worst in defensive RPM. I think there might have might be only one player worse i'm getting there i'm clicking through all these pages so like as good as i mean levine has been slumping lately just saying i think it's just exhausted he was sick last game he's got his usage rate is up over 30 just like just there's just not in position right now to be an efficient player after his really hot start with taking all the shots he's taking so his offense is taking a step back the defense is is what the defense is he's I feel like he's gotten a little better in terms of effort there but okay here we go levine is 427 out of 430 in defensive RPM. Blake is actually 429, so he's worse. Trey Young comes in at number 430, uh, dead last there, so not a great look for Trey Young. Although I think Trey Young had like 17 assists tonight, so that hell yeah, love Trey Young. But yeah, I mean, just in general, like the Bulls, uh, Wendell I think ranks pretty good in terms of defense, but his offense has been kind of kind of hit or miss uh, the last few games, especially as. He's kind of slowed down after he went through a really nice hot stretch. So, I mean, the Bulls are a bad team, so it's not surprising. They're four and thirteen. Yeah. They have a terrible. Guess what? The Bulls have bad players. Yeah, they have. They have a bunch of young guys and a lot of guys that are just raw, not really that good yet in terms of making an overall impact, and that's why they're four and thirteen, and why they have like a point differential of like minus ten, one of the worst in the leagues. It's going to happen. So it's it's not a surprise that that these uh, RPM numbers do not favor the Bulls very well. But it definitely was just kind of. Both sad and hilarious that Jabari Parker was dead last out of everybody. So sad, sad and hilarious that Chicago Bulls basketball for the 2018-19 season. Put it on a t-shirt, sad and hilarious. Uh, that's it for me. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much all, all we got today. Uh, I guess brief look ahead. You mentioned that Bulls Suns on Wednesday. The Bulls oh, obviously have a couple uh, days off. That's a, a very it should be a very winnable game. The Suns are ass trash. They do Devin Booker is a, is a lot of fun. DeAndre is a really good rookie, but they're terrible. I think they're three and thirteen, worse than the Bulls. Um, and then I believe you said you're going to the game on Friday, which is the Heat, correct? Yeah. Heat yeah. uh, aren't any good either. They're a bunch of this. They're out of the playoff mix right now. The Heat are currently six and ten. We'll see if Dwayne Wade is back. He just. It is, he had a daughter with Gabrielle Union. He's been away from the team, but they haven't been any good. 
So, like, maybe another winnable game there. Like, as bad as the Bulls are playing home games against shitty teams, like, they'll have a chance. You'd think that they should be competitive in these types of games. Uh, do they play again this weekend or no? Besides the Heat and the Suns, the Suns and the Heat. They got a road trip coming up. This is the Heat games their last oh, home then, game. For a and while. then and Saturday they go to Minnesota. So a little little D Rose reunion on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And Minnesota's been playing a bit better with. I know I think they lost their last game, but they've been looking a lot better since the Jimmy trade. So that will probably be, especially second game of back to back, that will probably be ugly. Uh, they do have the road trip coming, and then they go or they come back home and play the Spurs, and then they have a four-game road trip, which will probably be really ugly as well, another game in Milwaukee. So, I mean, I guess coming up here, they got a good chance for some wins this week at home against bad teams, and then it could probably get real ugly again going going into December. Uh, it's going to be real ugly, but at least, hey, going into December, maybe we'll get Lowry back. Yeah, Lowry should be back soon. Yeah, that'll be fun. Watching him and Carter, that'll be fun. It'll give us something to... Uh to actually keep our eyeballs glued to the team and to the screen because right now, man, it's tough. Like I'm, I'm tough. excited to go to both these games this week, but uh, I almost feel like I need to apologize to the people <laughs> I'm going with. Like the Bulls will probably lose this game by, you know, 30 points. So just FYI, that's what's going to happen. Don't get your hopes up too high. Uh, and, you know, on that note, I think we'll wrap this episode up. Uh, for Jason, I'm Ricky. This has been the Cash Considerations Podcast, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Thanks for listening. And reminder, you can find us a bunch of places. We post all our stuff on Bloggable, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Subscribe, give us ratings. Hopefully they're good ones, but if they're actually, if you don't like our stupid idiot conversations here, feel free to give us bad ratings too. Let us know how we can improve. But yeah. Go, go do all that stuff where you can find us anywhere. So have a good no, one, guys. Give us good ratings, but talk shit to us personally. That, 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 that sounds that. good. You can talk yeah. shit to us on Twitter. That's totally fine. But give us five-star ratings. Five stars. Five stars only for the Cash Considerations Podcast. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Later. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.